Welcome to the Wisdom Club podcast, where we talk to inspirational business leaders in our community that inspire us to lead a life full of wisdom and build a business as worthy of our wildest dreams. I'm your host, Leo Chen. I'm a tech entrepreneur, real estate advisor, and investor located right here in sunny coastal Orange County, California. And the goal of this podcast is to expand your mind and share what's possible. Mr. G.B. Bajaj. Good morning. Good morning. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays. Thank you for uh, coming on. Welcome to the Wisdom Club podcast. And uh, thank you all for being here. I'm super excited today to have this great guest, uh, G.B. Bajaj, um, on the line here. And um, he's going to be talking a lot about taxes as he is a certified EA. I'll let him talk a little bit about his background and um, his journey up to this point. And uh, tell us everybody uh, all about you, GB. Well, thank you, sir, for having me. I started off in the profession that I'm in almost, I would say, 24 years ago. So almost a quarter century. I was born and raised in India. I moved here at a very young age, I believe maybe 11, almost 12. From the very young age, I knew I wanted to have a business of my own, but I had no clue what to do. Around the age of 16, my dad, who always was an entrepreneur, got a nasty letter from the IRS saying, hey, you did your own taxes, and we disagree with some of the stances that you have taken. My father, being a serial entrepreneur, he was very busy, so he gave me that notice, and a power attorney with my mother in tow, he said, go try and solve this thing. That's how I got introduced to the tax business by organically trying to help my dad through his own discrepancies. And that's what I found exciting. Oh, pardon me. This is like a moment. Hey. Okay, son, I mean, <laughs> this is my son, AJ. Hey, AJ. You're live. You're live on Facebook. I know you're on Facebook. I need you to go outside. Please and stay outside. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Hello. It's always good to have a extra visit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's fun. And that's the challenge of working from home sometimes. It's the holiday season. I've taken a whole week off. So working uh, from home, they're happy interruptions. Well, thank but, you. Well, well we appreciate you. you being here, taking the time, you know, <laughs> out of your family. <laughs> no, happy to be here. So that's how I got introduced to the tax business. After that, I went to USC. I got dual degrees in business entrepreneurship because I knew I wanted to have a business of my own. And at the time, I wasn't thinking that I will be a tax professional. But to supplement my entrepreneurial degree at USC, I also had a second degree in accounting, specializing in taxes. After that, I worked at a few law firms before I ventured off on my own. And a lot of times people ask me, GB, why did you choose to be an EA, an enrolled agent, and not a CPA? For those of you who may not know this, a CPA is a state license issued by every state for the profession of accounting. An EA is a tax specialist designation given directly by the U.S. Treasury. The reason why I chose to go down the route was never a choice to begin with. As I mentioned early on, I wasn't born here. I was I came here at a very young age. And around the time when I started my college at USC, I was still here on a business visa with my father. And many of us remember the tragic events of 9-11. When that happened, everything was put on hold at the immigration department. So when I graduated SC, I was supposed to go work for a big four accounting firm. But at the time, they told me, GB, we love you. We would love to hire you. But because of the visa freeze right now, we cannot help you transition from the business visa to the work visa. So my professor at the time at USC told me, hey, GB, don't let that limit you. You may not be able to go work for a CPA firm and get the CPA license, but since you love tax so much, get that license and put it in your back pocket. So if you ever want to enter the profession of accounting, you can. So that's my story of choosing EA versus CPA. A CPA could be a tax professional, could be an audit, or could be in any of the other variety of accounting that a business may need, whereas an EA is a tax specialist. As I said, um, after college, I worked for a couple of law firms for almost a decade. 
And then when I turned 30, I started my own tax profession simply because thanks to Toastmasters. I used to give a lot of speeches in Toastmasters about financial planning, about tax planning. So a lot of my friends and family started approaching me and saying, hey, GB, why don't you, you have the license, you have the knowledge, why don't you help me out and I'll pay you a reasonable fee. That's how I organically started my own business 10 years hence, here I am. That's me in a nutshell. Now, beyond that, what I didn't mention is my personal life. I am married. You met my son a few minutes ago. He is the joy of my life right now. I know my wife sometimes gets jealous, but I tell her that he's different type of love and you're a different type of love. They can coexist, <laughs> but it's just a different level of love when it's father and son versus husband and wife. So I have my mother around. I unfortunately lost my father last year. He was a great rock in my family, but I have my sister who lives nearby with her husband. So I'm blessed both professionally, physically, and emotionally with a happy family. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> well, I love that. There's, uh, there's so many things that went through my head as you, as you went through that, <laughs> um, you know, one of the things, and it's a little bit funny, is that um, I came I came to the states when I was eleven, and you oh, okay yeah so also very very close similar to when you were came you were uh, twelve, and then one thing that struck me was a lot of people say hey you know you immigrated here from another country how come you don't have any accent and it was mm -hmm. the same thing when I was you know kind of listening to you I was like oh yeah you're right like he doesn't have any accent you know and some people who yeah. come a little especially like you know. Uh, uh, being Asian and Chinese, like we always have really heavy accents a lot of times. Correct. And same thing with from uh, people from uh, India as well. Yes. But being able to speak like so uh, <laughs> calmly, patiently, and eloquently as you do, like that's amazing, you know, as an immigrant. Why, thank you. I always tell people that having an accent is not a handicap. However, sometimes blending in and assimilating does allow other people to understand me better. Now, I'll admit, when I came to this country, I didn't know this, but I had a very heavy, stereotypical Indian accent. Wow. And for half a decade, I had no idea because up here, I sounded like any other American that you would come across. It was when I went to SC. At USC, they really encouraged us to work on our presentation skills. And I remember very vividly the first presentation ever I delivered at SC. They recorded us. I saw myself on TV. I wrote the presentation. I delivered the presentation. And I had no idea what I was talking about. I could not understand myself. And that prompted the journey to make myself more clear to enunciate better and to articulate in a clear manner. So that was the foundation of it. And then eventually when I joined Toastmaster, Toastmasters, that's how I met my wife, but Toastmasters really helped me work on my delivery, work on my organization skills, work on every aspect of a speech delivery. So I tell people, I'm a product of my environment. And USC and Toastmasters had a great impact on me working on my presentation skills yeah well uh, go go to usc for a great you know education <laughs> and uh you know it's not cheap uh so it's not. You know, yeah and, and uh, congrats on it i mean super super Thank great you. school and um and then uh see you know just those of you listening out there like if you want a wife like go to go to toastmasters <laughs> <laughs> we do not promise dates <laughs> if it happens to be it happens to be <laughs> but at least you're you know at the end of the day you're at least you'll speak better and that's the whole Indeed. point yeah that's the whole Indeed. point of, of of speaking right is the presentation i mean you have the the, the the foresight to think like oh I couldn't really understand my I should do something about this Correct. like you know what kind of group and what how can I improve this because if I'm making a presentation the whole point of presentation is to communicate for other people to understand me if I couldn't even understand myself like I ought to do something about that so that's Indeed. that's amazing I I, I just Thank I you. love that. Yeah. Thank you. And so I, I met I met a woman a, a couple of days ago and she was from um uh, she was from Germany. 
And mm. after being here for over 20 years, she still had a slight accent. And, you know, it was, it was beautiful, you know, but it's correct. Sometimes, sometimes I think it's weird. It's not necessarily the country of origin or the ethnic origin or anything like that. It's just very bio individual where each individual, sure. if they had an accent, it could fall one way or the other. There's never like in between, right? Yeah. Like, hey, it's a You're great right. accent. It's not a good accent, right? And see, that's a, it's a, just like the beauties in the eye of the beholder. Even in this country, somebody who's a native born in New York versus Alabama versus Southern California right. can have a very different accent. And we can pick up on the, hey, that's a Brooklyn accent. So yeah, it's just right. a matter of speaking and not one is better than the other. It's just a matter of can I make myself clear and articulate, especially right. in my profession now, I am in a very technical profession if I cannot think clearly and communicate clearly, it's hard for the client to take action because why are they paying me for it if not for clarity in the choices that they're facing? So right. that's right. how I view it. Right. Well, I know Toastmasters, they teach you not to say um, not to say <laughs> right. Not that, you know, and then be able to, you know, flow through your words without, you know, all those interruptions and kind of hesitations right. and things like that. So uh, great, great on you. Um, I don't want to get you. too far from the tax stuff. I thank yes. you for, uh, you know, explaining between the CPA and, the, and, and EA. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of people don't really know much about EAs. And um, Correct. I think uh, it's really important people understand that, you know, uh, they're hiring a CPA and they're kind of all around and doing a whole bunch of stuff that could be outside, of, you know, related to tax, but, you know, uh, you know, business-wise where EA is just specialist on specifically taxes. And so that brings me to, you know, this uh, idea about, you know, this time of the year, whether you are or not, whether you're just enjoying the holidays, uh, you want to uh, you're, you're thinking about taxes, you know, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, because as business people, you and I, we're thinking about the next step. How do we plan that for the next step? And what are some of the common questions this time of the year and common scenarios that you are coming across, you know, these time, this time of the year for to prepare for next year? Very good question. I, I usually sum up my tax planning in very few sentences, and them being, you the goal should always be to convert the income statement into balance sheet. That should be every businessman, every businesswoman's goal. And even on an individual level, if somebody has a job, the goal should be to convert your income into a balance sheet. And that will give you the best tax benefit. And the reason I say that is this, I often ask my clients, even prospects, if you make money, do you pay taxes? And more often than not, I get the answer, well, yes, of course I do. And I give them the proverbial accountant's answer, it depends. Just because you make money does not mean you will pay taxes. An example I use, is let's say somebody has a job and they make $40,000 in a year. If they pocket that $40,000, it is subject to taxes. We haven't even talked about what taxes because when people come to me and say, GB, can you cut my taxes? Yes, of course. Which one? Because majority of Americans pay zero in income taxes. The vast majority of wealthy individuals in this country pay majority of the income taxes. What you and I pay are insurance premiums. So we'll talk about that if we have some time later on. But taxes come in many different flavors. So if you make $40,000, you pocket that $40,000, you may be subject to income taxation. However, IRS through Congress gives you the option, hey, Leo, you made 40,000, put $20,000 into a 401k. And if you do that, I will not tax you on that $20,000. You will only pay taxes on this 20. Or hey, Leo, here's another option. Give me my cut right now. Pay me taxes on the entire 40000 Put this 20000 into a Roth 401k, and I will not tax your growth. Because if you don't pay taxes right now, if your 20000 becomes 200000 I will tax you on $200,000 in your retirement. If, however, you give me my cut right now, your 20000 becomes $2 million, $20 million, $200 million, you will pay zero in income taxes. So the idea is always converting your income into a balance sheet. 
Same thing with home purchases. People, you have the option of renting and making somebody else's mortgage payment, or you can save some money in your bank account, which is an asset, and eventually convert that asset into a down payment, get the 5%, 20%, 30% equity in a property, and then let the property appreciate. And hey, if you live in the house for a couple of years, two of the last five years, you sell the house as a married couple, up to half a million dollars of capital gains will be tax-free. So we can go on and on. I often ask my clients, why do we have a tax code? And the most common answer that I receive is, we have a tax code so that the government can take my money. And depending upon which side of the political aisle you sit, you have a different political opinion on that. What I was taught is that income taxes and the variety of other taxes, they are designed around public policy. Are they somewhat political? Of course they are. Everything in life is politics. Office politics, family politics, geopolitics, it's all political, but it is public policy. And at the end of the day, the tax code exists to either reward or punish certain behaviors. So the at the end of the year, I always encourage my clients who are individuals, not business owners, can you maximize your retirement accounts? Can you do some, what is called a tax loss harvesting, which is where you can sell some of your stocks and bonds and crypto at a loss temporarily and then get back into it in th after 30 days so you can reduce your taxable income. Because at the end of the day, the idea is not to reduce your income level. The idea is to reduce your taxable income. These two are very, very different concepts. And a lot of times people confuse the two. You can make $2 million and pay nothing in taxes because of the variety of income recognition. For example, if you sell your primary home, you make half a million dollars. The U.S. Congress says you as a fiscally responsible homeowner are being allowed to take the half a million dollars of gain tax-free or their deductions. You, as a fiscally responsible homeowner, are allowed to deduct your mortgage interest up to a certain cap, depending upon when you got your mortgage. You are allowed to deduct property taxes. You are allowed to deduct some other taxes. So then there are deductions. And then there are tax credits. So for example, you made money, but you are also a family man or family woman. You are raising a child, you get child tax credit. You're raising a dependent or you're caring for a dependent, you get credit for that. You have childcare costs, you get a credit for that. After everything is brought down, that's where you end up with your taxable income. I mean, even if you're doing nothing else, you are entitled to a certain standard deduction by the IRS. So all of these bring your taxable income down. 401k is IRAs. So the year-end planning is, can you make any responsible year-end move to bring your taxable income down, which then brings your tax bill down, and then your tax credits reduce your tax bill dollar for dollar. Depending upon which study you listen to or you read, a good 40 to 50% of Americans pay zero in income taxes. And there's a reason for that. Now on the business side, it's a whole different tax code. Sometimes people, depending upon, again, their politics, lament that corporations don't pay their fair share of taxes. It's because corporations are taxed differently. A lot of times what individuals pay, like you and I, are insurance premiums. We pay social security tax. So if you and I, are given lemons and we happen to have silver years, maybe bronze years, forget the golden years, we can rely on social security. We have Medicare. If we lose our job, we can claim unemployment. If we get hurt or if somebody is pregnant, they can claim state disability. A lot of the taxes are basically insurance premiums to protect individuals like you and I from the ills of life that may come about and to give us a basic safety net. Corporations by default don't have that. And yes, are there some political attributes to it? Yes, of course there is. But if you and I start our own business and we have a corporation, we have very similar tax benefits. And there the tax benefits are, are you building an asset that will allow you to create a sustainable income in the future? So for example, 
at the end of the year, the conversation we have with a lot of our clients, do you need to buy certain equipment that you may be able to use over the next five or 10 years to make money? Could be a computer, could be a car, could be a piece of machinery, could be a patent, could be something, something of tangible value. And that allows for us to take bonus depreciation or extended depreciation to lower the taxable income for years to come. There's also opportunities for small business owners to hire people of certain attributes. Maybe they are a former felon or maybe a veteran or somebody with a certain disability. If you hire people with certain disadvantage, states and the federal government will give you tax credits, which means you can make money and pay nothing in income taxes as a small business owner. So the list goes on and on. The idea is I always sit down with my clients. If they're willing to sit down, it's a tough conversation. And the biggest, most challenging question a small business owner has to answer to themselves is what is their exit strategy? And depending upon the exit strategy determines what tax planning we may embark on today, next year, and many years to come. Some people like to work till their boots fall off. Some people have the idea of, I want to build a business, hire a good team, and go save my tie on a yacht somewhere. Some are building a business to sell to another company one day. Some may even have the aspiration to go on Shark Tank or take their business public one day. Depending upon who your target audience is, yourself or an investor or the public at large determines how we encourage you to build your business in a tax efficient manner. Because at the end of the day, bookkeeping is known as the language of business. And the reason for that is bookkeeping is not the same for everybody. If you have to run your bookkeeping, generate a profit and loss statement or a balance sheet to give your banker, they want to see certain things because they're making, they're making a loan to you that they're hoping over the next five, 15, or 30 years, you have the ability to pay back. If you are seeking an investor, they're going to look at your books and your P&L and your balance sheet very differently because their idea is, if I'm going to give you $10,000, can you give me at least 10% ROI? If I give you 10 grand, will you give me back at least $11,000? If not, maybe I should go buy Tesla. Maybe I should go buy something else. Maybe I should go buy real estate. Maybe I should go... I don't know, invest in somebody else's business idea. So they're seeking more, a quick ROI. And you, if you're trying to build a business that you can live off of, you may have a different way of looking at things because bookkeeping comes in many variety. And even tax bookkeeping is different for IRS versus California. A lot of times people have a different taxable income for IRS purposes versus California purposes. And it could be drastic. IRS, after all deductions and tax credits, your taxable income could be zero, and California could be $100,000, a huge disparity. So the year-end conversation is, how do we convert your income or your income statement into balance sheet? What are you looking for? What is your exit strategy? Does that make sense, Leo? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, for anything, you know, the big the big takeaway there is, is uh, the planning part, of course. Okay, and I always talk to you know uh, business partners, uh, uh, friends, and clients because uh, mm -hmm. they're always asking us. We're advisors, right? You as an advisor, I'm an advisor. We're advisors because we're experts at knowing what are all the different routes that you can take depending on your situation, right? So that situation means okay, uh, we we call it GPS. You have a goal. You have a goal, in mind, okay, and that goal. Um, could be partially what you're talking about, an, an exit strategy of some sort or some sort of uh, a goal of this amount or this type of things that you deem as successful if you reached that goal. If it's a number, if it's a lifestyle, if it's a, uh, you know a exit strategy, like you said, like I'm going to sell it, then I'm going to have this much money. That's a goal. Mm -hmm. And we have the P, which is the, the part that you talk about a lot, the planning. You know, Correct. Without knowing what your goal is, what are you going to plan for? Right. Correct. So we need a plan, and you're uh, you're an advisor for um, most people on on planning. Meaning, well, everybody, because 
technically everybody got to deal with taxes. So exactly. planning about like, okay, this is what you got going on. Here's your goal. Okay. And uh, here's the situation. Is it an individual? Is it a corporation? Is it multiple corporations? Then we'll strategize each for getting to that goal. And then the last part, which most people fail on, you know, because we all automatically know, well, I got to have a goal. Well, I got to plan something to get to that goal. And then the third is the S for support. Mm. And there's no support. And you as an advisor, I'm an, as, a, as an advisor, we are part of a support team for our clients. Now, the support can come in a professional form like we do, or it could come from personal form, like such as your family, your spouse, uh, uh, you know, your, your parents of some sort of giving you support like, hey, great job. That's a good plan. That's a good goal to have. I'm encouraging you to go on because we all accomplish stuff. And when we accomplish stuff, we're not, we're not recognized for it. We don't, nobody talks about it. Nobody puts you up on a pedestal a little bit to kind of <laughs> celebrate with you. Without that kind of support, we fall short. And we're like, well, Correct. what did I even do that for? Right? Correct. You know, yeah. now very few of us can actually build that support for ourselves. We're not all, all just on an island. And so I think those are really important thing. And it's for us to help them if they don't know what their goal is to say, okay, what could be a goal? What about this? What about that? What about that? And if that was yeah. your goal, you know, at least come up with something, you know, five things to say, okay, well, the top one is probably this. Does that feel good? You know, correct. Let's go to let's go to the planning part. Here, here's how I help you. You know, with the with the taxes. And the other thing that struck uh, struck me was, you know, it's not about a lot of times we go through our lives, and I know there's a lot of people who do their own taxes, which is totally fine. Is totally yes, good. However, absolutely. you may miss something that you could deduct on, or things like that that you could take advantage of that you don't know. So it's really about the knowledge of knowing what you can take advantage because if you don't and you file it, right, you may not have right. taken advantage of it. And as time goes, I mean, you could file it down the road too. But Indeed. if you don't know and have not have the knowledge that you could do the depreciation, you could do, you know, uh, the different type of investing and how that impacts your tax liabilities or your tax uh, uh, what you owe on taxes, then you miss out. So it's really about the knowledge, isn't it? Uh, we we have, this is my goal. Here's the things I have going on. And if you didn't know what to plug in, you you don't get to take advantage of it. You know, I, the word that you use, advisor, that's the key in our profession because all we can do is give advice. At the end of the day, the example I use with my clients sometimes is if somebody wants to be healthy, First of all, you have to define what healthy is. If somebody wants to be healthy, all they have to do is take a walk around their block a couple of times a day, maybe do a few push-ups, maybe do a few squats, and you'll be better off than large majority of the population out there. If the goal is a little bit more specific and a little bit more ambitious, some of us like to go to gym. And the key thing that was taught to me by my mentor, a lot of people show up to the gym. Same equipment, same trainers, same membership, but the goal could be very different. Some want to lose weight, some want to gain weight, some want to tone up, some want to bulk up. Same equipment, same trainers, same everything, very different end result. So when people come to me and sometimes they ask me, GB, should I get married? I don't know, should you? From a tax point of view, I can tell you what the tax impact will be, but there's so many other considerations. I can advise you from a tax point of view. Somebody just asked me a question three days ago, should I have a child? I'm like, I don't know, should you? That's the conversation between you and your spouse. And from a tax point of view, this is what we're looking at. At the end of the day, you brought up the point that a lot of people can do their own taxes. And very well, yes, they can and they should. If they don't have a certain goal in mind, they, there's no need for it. I always remind my clients, me and my team, are way too expensive to be used as data entry clerks. If all you want to do is take your W-2, take your 1098, take your 1099s, put them in a system, regurgitate your tax return, pay your bill, more power to you. You are not the type of client that we want to work with. Now, whom do we like to work with or who chooses to work with us? These are the people who have a certain level of grace. Grace towards themselves, and towards others because things will go wrong. Anytime you step out of line, things will go wrong. 
if somebody wants to build a business and use tax planning as a competitive edge, they come to us. If you want to have a competitive edge and maybe you need to buy a property, start a business, get a loan, they come to us because we can then take your data and try to articulate it in a PNL or balance sheet or a tax return that can help you achieve your goals. Again, going back to the example of being healthy, if you want to play football, depending upon if your goal is to play pickup football at the on every weekend, or if your goal is to play for a minor league or a major league or for the Olympics, it's very different. So people who come to us who go to any other tax advisor, any doctor, any coach, any advisor, they are looking for something extra. They can do a lot. They cannot do it all. My wife is a great cook. My mother is a great cook. My sister is a great cook. But when we had Christmas dinner, we paid 10x than what we could have bought groceries at home and have them cook. We went out and we had a nice fancy dinner for which we paid 10x. Money isn't always everything. A lot of times people tell me, but GB, I don't think I can afford X, Y, or Z. The challenge in life, especially in business, is that your overhead will always grow before your revenues will. A lot of people have to go to college, beg, borrow money to go to college, to put in the four years or more of effort to then maybe one day get the job. People have to borrow money to buy a home that maybe one day they will own. People borrow money to buy a car. People do a lot of things in life to do things. So the challenge is if somebody wants to step out of the comfort zone, advisors like you and I can watch their back. Maybe they're getting overexcited. Maybe they're getting overextended. I always remind people, you don't have to cheat to save money on taxes. The incentives are built within the tax code to allow you to have a session to wealth. It may take a little bit longer, but you'll be able to sleep well at night and advisors like us and you can share what we know on how to make it a little bit better, a little bit smoother and a whole lot more possible. Yeah, I, I love I love what you said. You know, the... Um... A lot of times people, I, I don't have money to invest. I don't have this to do this. I don't have this to do that. And it's a, it's a, by saying that you are kind of keeping yourself from opportunities. We have Correct. so much opportunities in this country, you and I being, Indeed. you know, immigrants here, we can recognize yes. that, um, uh, but not everybody does, you know, as we kind of go around the world and meeting people. A lot of my clients, they want to, they want to be investors, but they've never done it and they don't know how. And we Correct. say, okay, well, we need to have, you know, this much down payment. We need to start here. Um, just like you, we're not, we're too expensive, right? To be, uh, and our time is too expensive to be yes. going around opening doors for people. Like anybody can Correct. open doors for you, you know, sure. but our yeah. value is to share with you why this home is good, why this neighborhood is good, why this Correct. is worth the money that they're, the sellers are asking for. How do you actually get a loan, um, direct you to the right people who can do that. How do we mm -hmm. inspect the home, direct you to the right people who are going to look at everything and give you a report to see, hey, what's wrong with this home? What's not what's, what's not wrong with this home? You know, does everything mm -hmm. work? And do you, uh, do you need to renegotiate the price? So Correct. similarly, and, you know, and I think people need to understand that you need to put something in. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily for us, you know, in real estate, you don't have to put a hundred percent down. Correct. You don't have to put 90% down. You can Correct. put as little as 5% down to buy something. And from a tax perspective, um, uh, what, what can you share with people? I, I think you mentioned it earlier. Mm -hmm. hey, is this is the question I get all the time. Is a real estate investment, a good investment. Mm. If I want to buy a home, you know, I have to put out, put down out of pocket, whatever it is, five, 10%, even 20% if I have it. Um, and then I get somebody to rent it and help me pay for the mortgage. But then what are the tax implications? And what's the short term downside? What's the long term downside? What's the short term upside, if there's any, and then long term upside, because you see this stuff all the time. Correct. Uh, they bought they bought an investment home. They thought it was a good idea, but they didn't look at everything. How is that as a whole, if you were to tell somebody who wanted to start investment today? Great question. I remind 
Pardon me. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I remind my clients what I was taught by my mentor. You can make money in anything. You can lose money in anything. People make money in trash. Look at waste management, right? And people lose money in gold. People lose money in real estate. At the end of the day, it for from my point of view, it boils down to income statement and balance sheet analysis. If somebody is going to buy a real estate property, which is for investment purposes, five or 10% down, odds are, there could be exception, but odds are there will be cash flow negative. Now, if they are buying a home for themselves, it's not a big deal because it's better, more often than not, it is better than renting, right? So it depends upon that analysis. But if somebody is going to give little down payment, and be cash flow negative, do they have enough income or enough assets to sustain those negative cash flows? And what is the end goal? What is the exit strategy? Is the exit strategy to build up the equity in the property to eventually become cash flow positive and eventually maybe to pay off the property and use it as a tool in your retirement to collect rent? Or is the exit strategy to be cash flow negative for the foreseeable future because you're banking on capital appreciation and you're going to refinance and do something else or sell the property. So it boils down to that. When people ask me, is it a good investment? Anything can be a good investment. Anything can be a bad investment. If Leo, if I come to you and say, hey, dude, I have a client, has a million dollar Ferrari. He's in trouble, whatever trouble, and he's going to sell it for $400,000. If you can't afford it or if you think there's a better ROI for your 400000 somewhere else, it's not a good deal for you. But somebody who's looking for a million-dollar Ferrari is now able to buy that car for 400000 It's a deal of the decade. So when my clients, they come to me, we look at their finances. We look at their long-term goal. We look at their projections for the next 12 to 18 months and advise, allow them to go through their options to figure out if it is a good investment for them or not. It could be sometimes, it could be a good investment for somebody else and they can broker that deal to somebody else and make a quick margin on that deal. So even a deal that a client cannot participate in and cannot make the big paycheck, you know what? Somebody else can. And this is the beauty of business. This is why we get married. This is why we have friendships. This is why we go into debt, because at the end of the day, life is all about partnership. If you don't have the time or the money or the energy to capitalize on a deal, maybe somebody else can, and you can broker that deal, or you can simply pass it on. So that when you are ready, somebody else may pass that deal on to you. So business investments can be had in many different fashions. It all boils down to Again, what is the exit strategy? Is it appreciation? Is it the cash flow? Or is it something else that you're seeking? Could be a, a, a quick uh, fix and flip. Now, that's a whole different exit strategy there that you can buy the property. Now, where is the money coming from to fixing it up and flipping it? And is it going to be done in two months or six months? And what if the market turns against you? Can you carry that property through that storm or do you have to dump it? So the financial analysis is a big part of the due diligence when it comes to is something a good investment for you and me or not. Right. And that's that's kind of where both of us come into play, right? If an investor wants to come in, they want to buy. And, and overall, there's three things that could be a possible goal. And these are common, right? You're fixing mm -hmm. flip. You want to put some money in and you want to sell it for more and you make the difference. Number one, correct, right? Number two, hey, I just want cash flow. Even if it's $100 cash flow, if it's $500 cash flow a month, like mm -hmm. I'm good, I will just keep continue to take correct. that cash flow. And the second bonus on that is that the uh, equity will continue to appreciate, which Indeed. is the beauty of correct. real estate, right? Because not- Correct, tax-free increase. 
Right. And not, <laughs> not many things can do that, right? Correct. You buy a car, it, 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 right, right away, you're going to sell it. It usually goes down unless you have yeah. a, a rare, something exactly. that you know, is one Correct. of one. You know, of Correct. course, then that equity will go up. And then Correct. the third is to uh, someday to sell it and take out the entire lump sum to do something else with it, such as you know, a retirement and have it you know, somewhere safe. And you can mm -hmm. sell it, take that, put it in somewhere safe, earn 5%, earn 8% or whatever that can sustain you through retirement. Correct. So those Correct. are the three, three most common. And so um, uh, I, when, when, people, when, when people are thinking about going into such a real estate investment, should they come to you before they think of it? Should they come to you after, uh, after they are already shopping or should they come to you like after they bought something? Good question. Ideally, it's good to come to us before they do it because, A, we can suggest to them from a tax point of view what will be the impact and could tax strategy be used to help them close a deal. Also, I like to know a lot of good people like you and maybe somebody on their team may not be a good fit. So before they sign the dotted line, it's good to have a good team in place. A lot of good deals go awry because of lack of good people on that deal. And it doesn't mean they're not good people personally. It could be that maybe they're not aware of some new development. It's, it's challenging. Not everybody stays abreast on the market, de market developments and education development. And then at the very least, come to me after the deal is done, because even though some things may have been done, maybe not in the best manner, we can still sometimes correct a mistake. It's easier to correct a mistake early on than five or 10 years down the line. I just had one client where we had to correct their depreciation for last 10 years. So they have been overpaying in taxes for last 10 years. And we were able to collect some of their money back because there are provisions. A lot of people know you can amend a tax return up to three years, but if you've been overpaying certain taxes in real estate for 10, 15, even 20 years, there are provisions within the tax code that can allow you to make those changes now, even though you missed the three-year window. I always remind my clients, come to us, come to you better late than never. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's almost, almost like, uh, uh, like you can never be too late. <laughs> you can never be too late. Correct. I mean, sure. Some, there could be some skeptic out there listening to us saying, no, it can be. Yes, there's always an exception. That's the beauty and curse of my profession. Here's a rule. Here's the exception. Here's the exception to the exception. And if something else happens, you go to a whole new different rule and the workflow starts all over again. But yes, more often than not, better come to us late than never. Yeah, that's why the tax code is is larger and larger every year, right? I don't even know how many pages it is now. It's thousands huge. Of, thousands of pages, yeah. right? Because at the end of the day, death and taxes. At the, yeah. at the end <laughs> of the day, death and taxes. And these two are always changing. I remind people, people used to live much longer lives. Then they become shorter and now they're better again. Death and taxes is always evolving. Yeah, well, I love all the wisdom that you are sharing uh, today, you know, from a personal perspective, because it's not just about the numbers, it's about the people, Correct. and it's about their goals and what they're trying to reach, and we help them reach that, and we can't be experts at everything, and so, uh, you yes. know, people like us, that's our support team, right, a tax person Correct. is a support team, a real estate agent is a support team, uh, we have, you know, escrow and title as a sport team. Uh, we have, you know, just many, many people involved in buying a piece of property, whether you're living in it for yourself, for your family, you still want to protect the asset, you still want to grow Correct. the asset, or if Correct. you're in an investment, uh, you know, that could be a different route for, you know, depending on what you're trying to do. So I could, you know, the more and more I talk to you, the more I love taxes, because I see that <laughs> there's so many things that you could do, you know, for every dollar, that you have or you plan to have, you know, right? Indeed. And that's a, <clears throat> a lot of people inherently hate taxes. It's never an easy decision to part with your hard earned money. But tax planning, when done properly, can put more money in your pocket in the long run 
than what you have to part with. So for example, taking real estate as an example, the beauty of real estate is, as you mentioned, leverage. You don't have to put 100% down. And the other beauty is, can you have leverage in stocks and bonds and crypto and everything else? Of course you can. You can leverage almost anything in life. The beauty of real estate is you have a tangible asset. So the leverage is cheaper. This is why even though mortgage rates are very high right now, they're still cheaper than credit card rates. They're still cheaper than many car loans out there. Why? Because you can drive your car off into a foreign country. It's hard to move real estate. So at the end of the day, I remind my clients, if you have to pay a dollar in taxes and it allows you to borrow $10, you can use that $10 to make money. So even if you get a 10% ROI, which is very reasonable, on that $10, you're going to get your dollar back. So you put a dollar in the system, you get 10% ROI, you get your dollar back tax-free. And if you get a better ROI, now you're making money on other people's money. That's the beauty of real estate. Because a lot of times I work with lenders and they get frustrated because somebody walks in their shop with a tax return that shows schedule fee, a million dollars, but the taxable income is zero and they cannot buy anything. So tax planning can be used for wealth accession. And this is what rich people do. So we can lament it or we can learn it and use that to our advantage. That's what I try to impart to my clients. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't say enough about it. I mean, um, my my mom, who's been a real estate agent for over 35 years and um, have bought over 10 properties, all cash flowing by now. Uh, she mm -hmm. bought it, uh, you know, just before, you know, the dot-com crash and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, not the dot-com crash, the, the the recession in 2008. Yes, the 2008, yeah. Because prior to that, uh, the lending practices were were not as string, stringent. And so she Correct. was able to buy more as an individual. And she took advantage Correct. of that before all that stuff came down. Now, she was upside down for a lot of things, meaning that she had to pay more than what the rent was coming in. But she just stuck with it. And over time, they're all cash flowing. They all have you know large assets and uh, are, are that are you know worth a lot more, you know, only a mm -hmm. fraction of what she paid for. Indeed. Know, and so, so that's that's the main leverage, and everybody wants to get to that. But everybody wants to get to like, well, if I buy it now, like I have to pay for this asset. Well, yes, but in the short term, <laughs> but in the in the in the long term, as your equity goes up, it outpaces what you're, what you're paying completely. Correct. Outpaces. We here uh, in California specifically have really good returns because our prices are high, but the returns are high as well. Because 10% of a million dollars is much better than 10% of $200,000. Correct. Right? And so you have yes. to pay more for that asset, but it also grows exponentially faster. Um, and so uh, I like to just tell people like, yes, you can buy outside somewhere else, but 10 years from now, that $200,000 home will be maybe worth you know 300,000, where if you own the million dollar home here, and 10 mm -hmm. years from now, it's going to worth $2 million. So do you want to make $100,000? You want to make a million dollars, right? Correct. That's how you decide you want, to, you want to do it out of state, you know, or not, you know, so, um, but, Indeed. but, but again, it still goes back to your goal. If your goal is to like buy 100 units or, you know, 50 units, you know, somewhere else, and, and you yes. have that, you know, exponential growth. That would be that would be worth it, and and you could cash flow right away because indeed per unit price is lower, right? And then um, and you can rent that out and kind of you know big lump sum, and you have low management fee because you have management managing the entire fifty units or hundred units, things like that. So there's a lot of leverage in doing that. But for most people, most people they just want to buy a couple of other second or third home that they can rent out. Sure. And, you know, I'll tell you this. I always remind my clients, never be embarrassed and never be too prideful of your goals. Maybe your goal is just to buy a home to live in. And that's okay. That will, in the long run, if done properly, put more money in your pocket. It's better than renting more often than not. Maybe your goal is to just buy one single family home and collect rent on it. Maybe buy a four-unit building. Maybe buy four buildings. Maybe buy a hundred everybody's goal is different and that's okay. The whole idea is to be honest with yourself. What do you want? 
not what your parents want for you, not what your spouse wants for you, not what your neighbor thinks you should be doing, you're missing out, clear out, clear out all this noise, have a good conversation with yourself, have a good conversation with your partner or your spouse, and there are opportunities. And no matter how big or how small you want to be, be comfortable with that. If your goal is just, hey, you know what, I don't want a million dollar mortgage, it's, it's going to keep me up at night then don't take a million dollar mortgage. You may want to go out of state or maybe go within state where you can easily buy a home for 300,000 and you're happy with the $50,000 growth. You are better off than 70% of the US population, 70%. And if you want to go more, more power to you. But if you just want to have peace of mind, that is also a great asset to have in life. So I always remind my clients, you can find a good advisor to help you achieve almost any goal in life. Just be responsible. It's a goal you really want, because if you want it, you will move mountains to achieve it. If you don't, you will find an excuse to blame yourself or someone for not achieving it. Yeah, That's what I tell them. Absolutely. And I try to tell a lot of people who may or may not know themselves, they have this idea that they want to buy a home and they're renting and they've been renting most of their lives. And uh, unfortunately, they're renting because their parents rented. You mm -hmm. know? And so they thought that that was normal to rent. And they, they kind of don't think about it. They go on to their job and they try to save money and they never uh, buy a home. But when I mentioned to them, like, hey, do you have you thought about buying a home? They go, oh, it's too expensive for me. I don't have any down payment. Well, uh, you know, and, and we have to pay, you know, interest rates and stuff like that. And what people don't understand is that, as a renter, your rent is a hundred percent interest. <laughs> Indeed, it's a hundred with no tax interest. deduction. <laughs> no tax deduction. I mean, that's like a huge double whammy, right? Like you're never growing. You're never growing your wealth, right? Correct. You know, by renting. Now, if it's temporary and say, "Hey, I'm moving into a yeah. new area. I'm going to stay here and get to know the area for a year, and then I'm going to plan, you know, to buy something." Well, that's perfect. But correct, uh, renting is not a life strategy. It's not a wealth strategy over the long haul. And so we we just want people to understand that because uh, there's really no other way. You want to continue to rent and you have unlimited amount of, you know, capital to be able to rent forever and you're happy with that area and you couldn't buy in that area and you can afford to rent in that area like by the beach or something like that. That's sure. perfectly good. So there's lots of scenarios that could work for that. But for most people without buying an asset that will grow in equity over time, and your mortgage coming down as you either refinance or pay off the principal uh, and things like that. I mean, I, I could go on and on about all the advantages that you could yes. have long-term. And I think you know this better than I, but like just like I mentioned that the government uses a tax code to incentivize or punish certain behaviors, there are incentives out there to help with the down payment. It could be a public incentive or it could be a private. You. I'm a firm believer of asking you shall receive. If somebody really wants to achieve a goal that they personally espouse, the universe, God, people, whatever you believe in, I believe in what I believe in, whatever you believe in will come to you to make it happen. There are people out there with more money than they can imagine what to do with it. And they may say, you know what? Give me a certain ROI and I'll help with the down payment. And that can be, again, a partnership. So there could be public, private, family, friends, businesses, grants. I mean, the list goes on and on. This is where having the right advisor can open up doors and windows for someone to achieve a goal that they personally believe in and want to achieve. And even if it doesn't, I remind my clients, I tell my son sometimes, you will not achieve everything that you set out to. And that's okay. Life is full of success and failures. But if somebody won't put that intention out there, won't put that prayer out there, I think it will never happen. If it does, it's by accident, not by design. So working with someone like you, working with someone like me, and working with a proper mortgage lender and business advisors, it can open up doors and windows, can really help people achieve financial goals that they really want to achieve. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think at the end of the day there is if you do not give up on your goal, then it's just a matter of time. Indeed. Right? And the more that you don't give up on your goal, 
the the more new things will you know come into your life to help you get there you know indeed and so uh, that's just kind of our how our human mind works and how our indeed. universe works and so uh, all those people out there who are renting and i i I, I wish I would hear it less, but I often hear it too much. Is that, oh, we can't afford a home. Well, that's okay. Correct. Let's what's the next step to get you closer to that? Indeed, that's the key right there, Leo. I'm glad you bring that up. Yeah, yes, maybe today is not a reality. I don't have six-pack abs, but I'm still working on them. I've been working on them for two years, and that's still my goal for 2023. It's not here right now. It's there, it's not visible, but it's still a goal. And I know I just have a few more minutes, so I will be a little technical right now and remind whether you are a business owner, whether you are a job holder, everyone should learn the basic mechanics of bookkeeping. I'm a big proponent of that because bookkeeping is the Achilles heel for a lot of unfulfilled desires and dreams out there. Bookkeeping could be a budget or bookkeeping could be the P&L and the balance sheet, P&L being profit and loss statement. I'm not asking anybody to become a bookkeeper. If you want to take that on as a profession, it's a great profession to be in. But knowing the basics of what is an asset, what is a liability, what is the equity, what is the income, what is other income? What are expenses? What are other expenses? What are profits? What is your take home? Just knowing these concepts and how they interact with each other can liberate a lot of people from self-imposed limitations of what can and cannot be done. So whether you have a job or you have a small business or a large business, look at any big failure in our country or around the world, it usually boils down to improper bookkeeping, whether it's a bankruptcy or the debacle of FTX crypto that we're facing right now. So if our audience take just one thing away from this, it's learn the basics of bookkeeping, personal and business, and they will liberate what limitations you put on yourself, liberate you. That's great. Uh, clarity, right? Clarity. clarity. On, yeah, clarity on uh, what's involved and clarity on what you can do and clarity on what you, you know, want to do with it. Uh, and be patient be, with yourself. You know, I, I remind people, be patient. With, I've worked at many large companies and very few people have their bookkeeping in order. It's always a work in progress. Bookkeeping is the Achilles heel and accept it as such and be mindful of it and keep on continuing to work on it. If you make a budget, you don't follow it for two or three months, forgive yourself and get back on the bandwagon. Well, I'm grateful for uh, 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 for having people like you in my life <laughs> and my clients' life and in the world because uh, we all were not uh, uh, born to know all of these things, especially we don't Correct. do it every day like you guys do. Um, I tell people the same thing. They want to be you know, uh, real estate investors, but they're not in real estate every day. And Correct. so uh, they don't know all the ins and outs. I mean, we look at homes, you know, 50, 75 homes, you know, a week, you know, Correct. on a day-to-day -day basis. And we know what homes are good, what neighborhoods are good, what schools are, you know, good. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do we see out there? What's a good investment for, you know, certain type of person and people. And so when you get to see it every single day, and that's your profession, uh, there's mm -hmm. just no replacement, you know, no, uh, no, uh, you know, part-time agents, you know, can suffice because it's a very specialized, you know, with what it is. It is. Oh, GB, um, I can go on and on. I just love your wealth <laughs> of knowledge and all Thank the, you, sir. all the wisdom that you, um, that you, you have and that you can share with people. I'd love to have you back sometime, but, uh, for Happy right now, um, as per tradition, uh, would you please share uh, the quote that uh, you have to uh, share with everybody and uh, what that means to you? Absolutely. It's a quote that was shared to me by my mentor. I have no idea who to attribute it to, but my mentor taught me money isn't everything, but it makes good times sweeter and bad times more bearable. So that's what I remind myself every single day. I make money not for the sake of making money. I make money so that I can add blessings to my life and add blessings to other people's lives. And should me or somebody I love and care about, or even a stranger is going through a hard time, having that tool, having their resource can may not take away the pain, but can make it a little bit more bearable. So that's my quote. 
That's a, it's an amazing quote, and especially Thank this you. time, this time of the year, and also for the, this year, I personally know a lot of people that have not had a good year just because there's so much big Indeed. fluctuations, sure, in the economy sure. and interest rates, and what's happening in their home, what's happening with COVID, you know, whatever Correct. their profession, and so, uh, you know, money isn't everything. You're right, uh, but uh, it makes the good times and bad times more bearable and you're there to help them make that more bearable. Thank you, GB. <laughs> uh, really appreciate you having on, uh, being on and uh, we'd love to have you back on. We'll talk more taxes again. And uh, thank you so much. All right. That's it. Thank for you. Us. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And we are off. Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, it was Thank so, you. It was fun. Yeah, it was so interesting. <laughs> I love, love, love all these things that uh, that uh, we talk about and the things that you go through. So it's very, um, it's very universal, right? You know, people indeed people need all this stuff, and they need to be reminded all the time. We can talk about the same thing. We can just be reminded all the time. So, so thank you so much. Thank you. And this hey, buddy, is AJ. Welcome back. Welcome back, AJ. He's saying welcome back. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what you up to? What are you up to? Watching. <laughs> He's watching TV, getting ready to go to Legoland. Oh, awesome. You are a lucky With boy. With his friend. Yeah, he is. Yeah, you're well, I actually have to hop off. I have a meeting yeah. starting in three minutes. Oh, but thank you so much <laughs> for the honor you, of having me on here. I really appreciate it. I will. Um, uh, we will schedule for it to go out on the audio and all the syndication. Okay. I will send you Perfect. an email and let you know. Thank you so much. And, uh, thanks for thank being you. on. Okay. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to receive notifications of all new episodes, and please give us a positive review. And if you want to hang out with us live, check out our YouTube channel where you can continue the conversations with me and our guests.